Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. So I'd like to start by asking all of your blessings. We're going to endeavor to do something a little difficult, and I need all the help I can get. Um, it fascinates me that we use the word depth and the word height to represent very similar concepts, although they lead in two opposite directions. To, so today we're going to try to experience that. We're going to dig very, very deep into this relationship, as deep as we can in the time we have, between Lord Chaitanya and Ramananda Roy. Ramananda Roy was a very intimate uh, follower of Lord Chaitanya. And it's where we're going to end up by digging very deep is at the highest, topmost realms of our philosophical and, and spiritual understanding of reality. So how you go down and end up very high place, I can't explain, so don't ask me that question, but we're going we're gonna to see it work, hopefully. So please give me your, your blessings. So this, is, this conversation that we're going to discuss is in the eighth chapter of the Majalila, Chaitanya Charitamrita. And the main protagonist here is Ramananda Roy. He was a governor of Madras. And um, uh, I think now it's called Chennai. And so he was a very, you could say, worldly man, worldly person, although he was also a scholar and a poet uh, and a very expert in literature and music, etc. And he was one of the most confidential associates of Lord Chaitanya. And of course, Lord Chaitanya, we all know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, um, we worship here on the, on the leftmost altar for any of you who are here for the first time. He's the personality on the right. So, um, for ten nights they got together, and when they first met, I'm not going to try to go over the whole discussion because it's 300 verses, and we don't have time to go over all 300 verses. So we're just going to give a sprinkling to try to do two things. So there's two uh, dynamics that come out of this. The content itself that they discussed is very, very deep and very, very elevated, as I mentioned. But also the way in which the discussion goes on gives you a very uh, deep uh, glimpse into relationships of how Krishna, how the Supreme Lord interacts with his devotees and how his devotees interact with him. So you get a very intimate glimpse of what a spiritual relationship is like. And that's very instructive. And so these two things are going on at the same time. You see this this relationship, uh, rasa, and the content um, that's being discussed is very, very um, amazing. So this went on for ten nights. Um, as I mentioned, Ramananda Roy first appeared uh, to take his bath. I think it was the Godvari River. And Lord Chaitanya has just taken bath. And Lord uh, Ramananda Roy was there with all of his... He was a governor again, a mayor, right? Or what did I say, governor? And so he had his his entourage of people, servants, so many people. And Lord Chaitanya saw him, and there's an interesting phrase that's used. It says um, that Lord Chaitanya went running after him in his mind. I think I didn't, I didn't print it out. But, oh, yes. 
He said he was, Lord Chaitanya was very eager to meet him, so his mind went running after him. Um, although physically he just waited very patiently, but he, so he was very, very eager uh, to see him. And then when they, uh, they met, they embraced and they fell to the ground and they were very, very, um, uh, emotional, uh, you could say, because they were both very dear to each other. And all these, um, civil servants and followers, they were a little bewildered. This is, uh, Ramananda Roy was from a suja class, although he was a governor, it was a, like a servant class, and Lord Chaitanya was a sannyasi. And Lord Chaitanya was famous for not association with kings and worldly people. He was very renounced. And this was not something that he was tended to do. And yet, they were very intimately uh, associating and happy to see each other, so much so that they had to contain themselves because they could understand all these people are seeing this, they're getting bewildered, and so they, they stopped and composed themselves. I should mention when I say that uh, Ramananda Roy, in one sense, is the main protagonist here. In the Bhagavad Gita, there, who's the main protagonist in Bhagavad Gita? Arjuna. And what's Arjuna doing throughout the Bhagavad Gita? Asking questions, right? Very, very good questions, questions we all need, and Krishna was answering these questions. So Ramananda Roy, in the previous incarnation, was Arjuna. Although in this pastime, Ramananda Roy is not asking the questions, Lord Chaitanya is asking the questions, and Ramananda Roy is answering that. And how does that work? What do you do when the Supreme Lord asks you questions, especially philosophical ones? Well, we'll, we'll find out. So in the very beginning, it started... Uh, with some, you could say, basic philosophy, or, or I, I would call it external philosophy. Uh, one of the first questions of the of the exchange, uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he said, recite a verse from revealed scriptures concerning the ultimate goal of life. That sounds like a fairly lofty place to start, right? What's the ultimate goal of life? And um, so Ramananda Roy answers, the supreme personality of Godhead, Lord Vishnu, is worshipped by the proper execution of prescribed duties in the system of Varna and Ashram. So it's a little technical. The Supreme Lord should be worshipped properly, certain ways that we do that. There's certain prescribed rules and, and obligations. And the Lord immediately said, this is external. You, don't, you, you better tell me something more. I want something deeper. And this goes on and on for uh, another 10, 15 verses. Basically, the, uh, Ramananda Roy is giving him all the knowledge in Bhagavad Gita. So that's sort of like, you could say the starting point of this discussion starts around the point where Bhagavad Gita ends. So, so one after another, Ramananda Roy makes all the points in Bhagavad Gita, and Lord Chaitanya says, this is okay, but you need to speak more on this subject. So he's not satisfied. This is all kind of basic, not basic knowledge, but... Uh, Lord Chaitanya wanted to go deeper. So then it moves into a little bit deeper. Uh, Ramananda Roy says, Pure devotional service in Krishna. At that point, when, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, You know, tell me more on this subject, Ramananda Roy says, Pure devotional service in Krishna consciousness cannot be had even by pious activity in hundreds and thousands of lives. It can be attained only by paying one price that is, intense greed to obtain it. If it is available somewhere, one must purchase it without delay. One of our acharyas, Bhaktivinoda says this, that you should find that obstacle that's keeping you from surrendering to Krishna and immediately remove it, you, this, this lolium, this greed. So this is, in devotional circles, this is fairly 
elevated matter. This is, these, these topics are not simple, basic things. These are, these are advanced spiritual topics. And Lord Chaitanya, he says, um, hearing up to the point of spontaneous love, the Lord said, that is okay, but if you know more, please tell me. So still, you can see where this is head, headed. And so then Ramananda Roy goes on for many, many verses, talking about um, different mellows of devotional service, talking about the, the mood that Mother Yashoda has, Nanda Maharaj have with Krishna up to, and includes some of the gopis. He talks about the famous Napre Ham verse, where Krishna basically tells uh, his, his beloved gopis that he's indebted to them. Right? Krishna feels, when we surrender our lives to him, Krishna feels indebted to the point that he feels like he owes us. So this is very advanced uh, devotional sentiment, that, that Krishna is now uh, placing himself as subservient, you could say, to his devotees. So this is elevated subject matter. So uh, we would think that Lord Chaitanya would now be very content. Right? Anyone who's read this chapter knows a little bit what's coming. So his response, he says, this is certainly the limit of perfection. So he's not discounting, yes, this is, you've, you've, reached, uh, you've reached perfection, but please be merciful to me and speak more if there is more. So um, he's asking him to go deeper. Talk to him about Krishna and Radharani. Please uh, uh, explain all this to me. But for you yourself, no one can ascertain them. So now Ramanan Roy starts to get a little bit uncomfortable. He says, I don't know anything about this. I simply vibrate the sound you make me speak. I simply repeat like a parrot whatever instructions you have given me. You are the supreme personality of Godhead himself. Who can understand your dramatic performances? You inspire me within the heart and make me speak with tongue, speak with the tongue, I do not know whether I'm speaking well or badly. In other words, Ramananda Roy at this point is not taking credit for what he's saying. He's understanding that Lord Chaitanya, as super soul in the heart, is inspiring him what to say. So he's just doing the best he can to satisfy the Lord. And now the Lord displays his humility, right? This is one of Krishna's characteristics. Krishna is the most everything. The most powerful, most beautiful, most rich, most uh, famous, most everything. Any, any quality you pick, he's the most of. Well, that includes humility. He's the most humble. He's the supreme Lord. So how does he respond to this? He tells Ramadan Roy, he says, After hearing about your glories, I've come to your place. But now you're offering me words of praise out of respect for sannyasi, one in the renounced order of life. So he's not... Uh, he's not considering himself higher. He says, whether one is a brahmana, a sannyasi, or a sudra, regardless of what he is, he can become a spiritual master if he knows the science of Krishna. So this is important for us because we tend to think sometimes that, uh, that there's a hierarchy, that so many um, you need to read so many books or chant so many mantras or memorize so many verses or practice something for a certain number of years and then you'll become uh, spiritually qualified to, to understand and distribute this knowledge. But Lord Chaitanya is saying, no, it doesn't matter if you're a brahmana, a sannyasi, or a sudra. These external material considerations are just that, they're external. 
They're meaningless in spiritual life. And here we have an example. Ramananda Roy, although he was a governor, he was a sudra. He was considered a servant class. And Lord Chaitanya is not only speaking with, but feeling very intimate with him. He's feeling he's, he's one of his dearmost associates. So spiritual knowledge simply comes from understanding the science of Krishna. It's not a material um, title or designation. So Lord Chaitanya is discounting. He said, no, 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 you're qualified to speak. He he goes on to say, please do not try to cheat me, thinking me a learned sannyasi. Please satisfy my mind by just describing the truth about Radha and Krishna. So at this point, Ramananda Roy becomes a little agitated. His mind is getting disturbed. He's being glorified by Lord Chaitanya. He's not feeling he's qualified to answer these questions. So he says, I'm just a dancing puppet, and you pull the strings. Whichever way you make me dance, I will dance. My dear Lord, my tongue is just like a stringed instrument, instrument. And you are its player. Therefore, I simply vibrate whatever arises in your mind. So Ramananda Roy is is basically um, surrendering to this process and telling the Lord, these words are yours. I'll say them, but they're coming from you. And this phrase, puppet, uh, we, this we heard in Srila Prabhupada wrote a poem when he came from America at the age of 69 when most people would rightly consider it's time to retire and try to relax a little bit from their activities. Srila Prabhupada gets on a boat and comes to the West. And when he arrived in Boston, he wrote this poem, beautiful uh, song. And one of the, the phrases uh, he mentioned, that, that I'm just a puppet. You can, I don't know why you brought me to this place, Krishna. I'm not qualified to spread this knowledge. I don't know if people want to hear, but you just make me dance. You can make me dance or not. So this is very instructive for us. If, if any of you ever had to do something which felt overwhelming to you, I know I have. You're all qualified, so it's probably easier for you. But I go through this a lot. I went for this, through this years in professional career. I, I was asked to do things and put in meetings and given responsibilities that were way over my head. And so Krishna, sometimes if you're very uh, trying to surrender to him, he'll make it a little easier. Say, okay, I'm going to give you a very difficult situation. And all you can do is surrender. Say, Krishna, you can make me fall on my face, or you can make me dance, whatever. This is up to you. So this is a good mood for us to have. So Ramananda Roy is teaching us. He's also revealing to the Lord that he's teaching us. So at this point, he gets into some... Uh, higher uh, higher topics. He starts talking about uh, Krishna Tattva, and he quotes some verses from Brahma Samhita, Ishvara Parma Krishna, Satchinananda Vigraha. Uh, Krishna is the supreme controller. He Listen to this one. This is a real um, beautiful one. He says, In the spiritual realm of Vrindavan, Krishna is the spiritual ever-fresh Cupid. He is worshipped by chanting the Kama Gayatri mantra with uh, the spiritual seed clum. So he's, Krishna is the spiritual, ever-fresh Cupid. Listen to this one. Krishna bewilders even himself. If you think you get bewildered, you have no hope. You might as well just get used to it, because Krishna even bewilders himself. He says, <clears throat> this is, upon seeing his own reflection, this is one of the answers, this actually comes from a, Rupa Goswami's Lalita Madhava, but Ramananda Roy recited this to Lord Chaitanya. He says, Upon seeing his own reflection in a bejeweled pillar of his Dwarka palace, Krishna desired to embrace it, saying, Alas, I have never seen such a person before. Who is he? 
Just by seeing him, I have become eager to embrace him, exactly like Srimati Radharani. So Krishna um, wants to um, embrace himself. He's seeing this person. There's another famous uh, pastime where he saw his reflection in a pond, and he was startled. Krishna's so beautiful that uh, he even attracts himself. He goes on to say, Lord Krishna's sweetness is so attractive that it steals away my own mind. Thus, even he wants to embrace himself. That was verse just before the one I spoke. And you hear more about this uh, a little later about Madan Mohan. <clears throat> so then Ramananda Roy, he goes on to speak about the glories of Srimati Radharani. And Lord Chaitanya says, well, that's okay. Uh, please continue. He wants more. He's very um, uh, thirsty, you could say, or hungry. One of the things to to um, hold on to, if you can, uh, if you can remember this and plant it deep in your heart, is that Krishna uh, he relishes relationships. He thrives off them. He's nourished by them, uh, which is an amazing thing in itself. He's the supreme Lord. He's self-satisfied. In one sense, he doesn't need anything. But he likes relationships. He likes exchanges. This is he relishes them, and so you can see this. Lord Chaitanya is doing this with Ramananda Roy. He's he's sort of um, peeling apart all these different uh, topics, and he's also deepening his relationship with Ramananda Roy. Um, and so this is this is Krishna's mood. Um, I think I got okay. So then he goes on, uh, Ramananda Roy goes on to talk about uh, Shrimati Radharani and the gopis. Very elevated subject matter, things that are difficult for us to comprehend. But it basically shows us how Krishna relishes relationships. It dives into how Krishna uh, appreciates uh, the loving exchanges with his devotees. Uh, and he talks about... Um, one of the points that's made in these verses, there's a section, uh, sometimes it's described, we mentioned loyam or greed earlier, that it, we, one must be very intensely, uh, have intense greed for Krishna. We must be very, very eager for him. That's the price we have to pay. There's no material qualification necessary, but we have to have this greed. And it's described sometimes that Krishna's uh, devotees, his followers, will become lusty after him. This verse, this word is used a lot in the scriptures describing the love of a devotee for Krishna, particularly the gopis. But it's pointed out here in these verses that this is not lust like we think of it. And the difference is given, lust is when you're seeking something for you to get pleasure from. That's lust. The love they're feeling, it's described as lust because we can understand it's a very strong emotion. But the sentiment is completely different. In love, for Krishna, you're not desiring anything. The gopis, the Krishna's devotees, they're not desiring anything from themselves. They're desiring to give Krishna pleasure. Let me do something that pleases him. That's love. Uh, so sometimes this word lust is used, but it's not material lust like we think of. They're not looking for pleasure for themselves. They associate with Krishna to find out what can we do for Krishna. What does he want? Uh, and this is a very profound uh, way. If you're wondering how to make spiritual advancement or you're ever feeling a little bit like you're stalled or you're not progressing as rapidly as you would like, then try to think about a way to help someone else make spiritual advancement. Don't selfishly think, how can I make advancement? How can I help someone else? Let me go out and distribute books, or go with Palakon Harinam, or, 
Um, find some way to have discussions with Krishna. Find someone who needs some help in some way or another in their spiritual life. Because when we help other people in their spiritual life, then it gets Krishna's attention very quickly. This is love. Uh, and so this helps us uh, tremendously. So I'm just going to read through a number of other questions. Right? So I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing. I'm, I'm uh, now up roughly 240-something verse. This 300 verses. We can't cover them all. I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm hoping to whet your appetite and, and make you curious to go back and read more because there's a depth there. I'm just giving you a small glimpse. So I'll read through some of the questions that Lord Chaitanya asks. I won't give you the answers. You'll have to go read them in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. You have a copy. If not, we can. We have copies you can purchase. Of all types of education, which is the most important? Out of all glorious activities, which is the most glorious? Out of the many capitalists who possess great riches, who is the topmost? Out of all liberated persons, who should be accepted as the greatest? Out of many types of meditation, which is required for all living entities? So these are good questions. Would anyone like to know the answers to these questions? Are these, yeah? Okay, so now you have a reading assignment. I'm not giving you the answers to these questions. Out of all topics people listen to, which is the best for all living entities? Of all worshipable objects, which is the chief? Which, what is the destination of those who desire liberation and those who desire sense gratification? So these are the questions Lord Chaitanya is asking, one after another. And Ramanand Roy is answering them one another. Two of my personal favorites, which anyone who knows me will hear me say these. It's not uncommon for me to quote these, especially if I get anywhere near Chaitanya Charitamrita. These verses have to come up. One, Lord Chaitanya asks, of all kinds of distress, what is the most painful? That doesn't sound very pleasant, right? Nobody wants to know the most painful thing. I don't even want the least painful thing. I certainly don't want the most painful thing. So Ramananda Roy replied, Apart from separation of the devotee of Krishna, I know of no unbearable happiness. So there's a clue for you. There's a, a what do you call, a, a, a secret code you can put in your wallet. If you're ever feeling pain or distress, then you need to look around and see where a devotee is, because he's probably not nearby. Because if the devotee is nearby, and if you're associating with them, then, our, then we can tolerate whatever is there. But if there's no association, it becomes very difficult to tolerate anything. And then a couple of verses later, Lord Chaitanya asks, Out of all auspicious and beneficial activities, which is the best for the living entity? That's a pretty good question. Right? All the things I can do, what's the best thing to do? What is the best thing to do? Ramananda Roy responds, the only auspicious thing, not the best, the only auspicious activity is association with the devotees of Krishna. Right? That's pretty powerful. Why is that? Because we associate with devotees and Krishna is going to be there. Krishna, especially where devotees, as, as uh, Mother Ananda Vrindavaneshri mentioned earlier, Rupa Goswami, was she quoting Jiva Goswami, I think. When we worship Krishna together, this is bhakti. This is the bhakti. The root of bhakti means sharing. Without you can't perform bhakti alone. Bhakti has to be shared. And so then, uh, finally, I don't have much time, so this is a difficult part to, to summarize. Uh, but Ramananda Roy, he's, so they've had this long philosophical discussion. Of course, this is over ten nights, as I mentioned, several different. They would meet each night. He would go off to work during the day and do his duties, and in the evening they would meet. 
And so now uh, Raman and Roy is starting to see different aspects of Lord Chaitanya. Sometimes he looks and he sees a sannyasi. And sometimes he thinks he sees someone playing a flute. And he sees these different things. He's, he's starting to think, this isn't an ordinary sannyasi. He understands he's the Supreme Lord. But which form of the Supreme Lord? The Supreme Lord... Right, appears in many different forms. He can appear as Vishnu, as Krishna. We have him here in the altar. Three different altars, it's the same person. Right? Ram Chandra and, and Sita, Lord Chaitanya and Nityananda, uh, Madan Mohan and Krishna. It's the same person. Um, it's the Supreme Lord, all three, but he has different forms. So Ramananda Roy is seeing this and he's saying, he, he's understanding, he's, he's understanding the inner mission or who Lord Chaitanya is. He said, you have, dis- you have descended, my dear Lord. First he says, you're speaking to the super soul just the same way that uh, um, Narada and educated Lord Brahma was from within the heart. This is how we make spiritual advancement. We please the spiritual master, we perform devotional service, and within the heart Krishna reveals, yes, this is good, you should do more of this. No, this is not good, don't do that anymore. And we start to understand how we should behave and how to make advancement. Of course, we also externally get instructions, but as we make more and more advancement, uh, we become aligned and we can hear Krishna in the heart. So Ramana Roy is saying that this, uh, I'm starting to um, see that you've descended in this incarnation for your own personal reasons. Uh, basically, that he's come to uh, taste the bliss as described. And Lord Chaitanya acknowledged. He says, yes, he's, uh, Krishna is the source of pleasure. Uh, Radharani is, is his pleasure potency. So those two personalities combined and appeared in the form of Lord Chaitanya. Why? Because devotees experience so much ecstasy, so much bliss when they serve Krishna, that Krishna gets bewildered. Uh, they, Narada Muni commented once to Krishna, well, your devotees, they'll do anything for you. It doesn't matter how you treat them. Look at the Pandavas. The Pandavas weren't exactly treated gloriously. Sometimes they were, but they were abused a lot of times. By They went through a lot of difficulties, you could say. And, and they never gave up their love. So devotees, you look at the life of devotees, there's some difficulties. Uh, but they have so much love for Krishna, these difficulties don't affect them. So Krishna gets a little bewildered. So I don't understand why my devotees feel so much love for me. So let me understand. So he appeared as Lord Chaitanya to experience. Let me experience what my devotees feel when they worship me. That's the sweetness of devotion, uh, the sweetness of Krishna. And he also, externally, he wanted to teach the world. This is how a devotee behaves. This is how, in the world, devotees act towards each other and towards Krishna. So there's a lot of meaning. So Ramana Roy is seeing this, and Lord Chaitanya reveals this for him. He says, nobody else has seen this. Um, I'm, showing it, I'm showing it to you. And it's just like a, a, an analogy. This is um, slightly different mood. I hope it's not inappropriate, but it gives a good picture. When I grew up, we, when I was young, our family had dogs in our house. It's something that's not common in India to have pets. In America, it's very common. People have pets. And one thing you learn about dogs is they, they recognize you if you're dressed in a suit, if you're dressed in a shorts, if you put on a clown mask, if you completely have the disguise and nobody can recognize you, your dog will recognize you. They know who you are. They'll see right through everything. In fact, they'll just recognize you through a closed door. They know when your car pulls up. 
And then they're, they're very eager. So they have this devotion to their master. So this is what we want to be. This is, uh, Lord Chaitanya said this to Ramananda Roy, because of your love, you can recognize who I am. You can see this form of mine. So we want to become like Krishna's dog, where we see him. A Pradmaraj recognized in Sringadev, although he had never appeared in that form before. But he is a beloved Lord, he could recognize him. So we want to develop that love for Krishna so we can always recognize his, him in his pastimes. So I just want to close on, on that note. And again, there's 300 verses there, which I've uh, tried as, as uh, whatever little way I could to, to give you a smattering. Please go home and read them in the 8th chapter um, and understand this point that, that Krishna really thrives off and he's nourished by these relationships. And the proof of that is that you exist. The reason you exist is because Krishna, in spite of his, all these other living entities, he had a desire for a relationship that wasn't nobody else could provide him. So he created you, each one of you. So you all have a unique relationship with Krishna. Uh, so when you go out for this, on this, in terms of this digging, I don't know, I hope some of you feel like you're maybe higher than, this is hard to understand. Uh, when you go out to, to lunch, you can dig through with your friends and you can ask some other questions. But we know who is, uh, why do you like Krishna? What's your favorite pastime? What's your favorite verse? People you see every day, you, you, you may learn something more. You may dig some more gems out of, oh, this is how you learn about Krishna. This is what you like in his pastimes. So in this way, you can do your own digging and you can uh, relish and experience this, this um, relationship um, this dynamic of relationship with Krishna and his devotees. So, um, thank you very much. I'm going to have you all hold your questions uh, for Deva Prasuru right now. Uh, we're going to invite Padma Malini um, Devi uh, up. Um, last month we uh, heard from Palika Prabhu. I asked three questions. This is part of our community update. Uh, Padma Malini um, is a direct disciple of Srila Prabhupada and was here in DC in the early days and has been uh, serving uh, this community uh, for many, many, many years. So there's a little bit of a, is that better? I'm standing near there. So welcome. So the three questions. I put to Padma Malini to get us going in, in reflecting on this wonderful community. Uh, as we're building a new building on the hill, um, we want to strengthen and gather around that project, but we also want to stay connected with each other um, as people and uh, appreciating each other. So the three questions are, in no particular order, what are your hopes and dreams for this community? What do you look forward to when you come to the temple? And of the many special moments you've had with the deities, is there a time in particular you felt Madan Mohan's presence more strongly than others? Welcome. Well, to start out, um, I'm maybe not going to be exactly addressing all the questions exactly. But I'm going to tell a little of my story and experience um, through my spiritual journey. So I came to Krishna Consciousness 
um, in the early 70s, and the movement was growing incredibly fast. We were known then more as the Hare Krishna movement. We didn't really address ourselves so much as ISKCON. But uh, we were the Hare Krishna movement, and we were in an excellent um, location down by DuPont Circle. It was right in the middle of corporate America, really. We were able to walk right outside the door after Srimad Bhagavatam class and start our Harinam and go on Harinam throughout the city streets, having people wave to us through their business offices. And we were able to distribute books right there, right, walking out the door. So it was a wonderful experience. And um, not long after we were, I, I joined, um, Radha Madan Mohan came. So I was really blessed with the opportunity to be able to sew for them, to sew their first outfits. Although I was a new devotee, we didn't have to be, you don't have to be initiated to sew for the deities. So that was a, a service that I had that was um, very endearing to me. Shortly after Radhamadamohan came, Lord Chaitanya came, and, and Lord Nityananda. And it's kind of interesting, um, we've, at the time, our GBC had told us that Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda were sannyasis, so they shouldn't wear elaborate clothing. They could wear different shades of brown with no jewels. So you can see how things have changed. And this is something that I really realized throughout my meditation on speaking to you all, is how, much, how change takes place. And change did take place. Um, we were really, the temple was bursting at the seams. There were so many young people coming to join the Hare Krishna movement. So we had to um, get other facilities. We got... Uh, two other houses down the street. One was for Grihastas and Brahmatrinis, the young ladies, and then the other was for the men. And the, and the house quickly filled up. Um, let's see. Things were going great, and we thought we were all in Vrindavan, even though we were in downtown D.C. We were all happy, felt fully uh, satisfied. But our neighbor who moved in... Well, yeah... Yeah, Radha Madame Mohan were installed in 73 and Gorni Tai in 74. And um, so we had a young neighbor, an, an attorney, who moved in, and these houses were attached. They were row houses. And he didn't really appreciate all of our enthusiasm at 4.30 in the morning. And so one thing led to another. And although it's very rare to move deities, we realized that the time had come where a big change needed to take place and we needed to find a new location. So who would know that coming here, that Radhamadamohan would bring us to such a beautiful oasis in the middle of metropolitan D.C., where we, we had the bubbling Jamuna, we have the Govardhan Hill in the background, we have a Seva Kunj on this side, and Raman Reti on this side. And um, so we were so happy with this change to be able to come here, and being the nation's capital, Sitaram Lakshman Hanuman came, also to reign over. And, um, and so here we are in, in our Vrindavan. So um, I was reflecting on how many different conditioned souls came here to take shelter and have the darshan and service of Radha Mohan and all their lordships. And they're countless over the years. So many, many, many people have come to our temple to take shelter. And Everything is here, you know, hearing about Krishna, chanting Krishna's glories. We come here for Sankirtan, joining in. I've made lifelong friends here uh, serving at the temple. And, you know, we can 
work on, um, there's so many flower decorations and festivals. The service here is really, really unlimited. So I was thinking about relationships, and it's so nice to hear the class and hear about relationships. And, you know, how do we develop relationships with someone? Because we really want to develop our relationship with the deities, with Radha Mohan and Sitram Lakshman Hanuman. How do we do that? I was thinking about arranged marriages. Have any of you had an arranged marriage? Oh, lots. Well, from what I understand, not having one, oftentimes love isn't there at the, the marriage ceremony because you hardly even know each other. Oftentimes these arranged marriages take place without any association really to speak of beforehand. But that love develops over time. It's just like if someone works, you hear so many um, marriages that result from, say, um, an office situation where people are working together. They're with each other all day, and they become, they get to know each other. They get to recognize one another's qualities, and before you know it, oftentimes people will fall in love, and they end up get, getting married after just meeting at the office. So this is really the way, and just like in a marriage, the same thing happens, that through spending time together and getting to know one another's qualities, then love develops. So in the same way, it's like that with the deities, that Krishna is so kind that he's come here in his personal form, his beautiful threefold bending form, playing the flute with his beloved consort, Shimati Radharani. It's very, very personal. He's not asking us to worship in his, him in his universal form, where we can appreciate him in the trees and the flowers and the grass and the hills and the mountains and the rivers. And that's very nice, and we can see God in that way. But it's difficult to really develop a deep, personal, loving relationship with Krishna in that way. But we can when we worship the deities. So um, Madan Mohan is here, and Madan Mohan is known for um, the deity of Sambandha, or relationship. So Krishna, in the form of Madan Mohan specifically, helps the conditioned soul develop their loving relationship with, with him. And so we want to be able to take advantage of this, to be able to serve him in a personal way, to get to know his qualities, to spend time with him, and in that way, easily be able to develop love for him. I was thinking it's like, for me, I feel like, and I wanted to encourage you all too, to, to create like an anchor at the temple, an anchor with your heart, that your heart is anchored here at the temple. Everything is here, all that you need. The, like I was saying, the hearing and the chanting, the association of devotees, the prasadam, and so much unlimited service. So I'd like to encourage each of you to, of course, we have so many initiated disciples already here, and for those who are not, to take this process of bhakti very, very seriously and become initiated disciples. Take up a service that's yours, that you can call your own, that you're committed to, and on a regular basis, come here and associate with the Lord, serve the Lord, so that you can have that opportunity, just like we spoke of before, spending time with someone. You develop love for them. You appreciate their good qualities. So in that way, through service, you can really develop your loving relationship with Krishna. And then just on closing, I just wanted to say I was reflecting on the new temple and another change, a beautiful change that we're looking forward to. And I was thinking, you know, how we all live, most of us, <clears throat> excuse me, most of us live in um, pretty nice homes and, you know, fairly new, I think newer than this. I was going to ask you when this uh, property was originally built. Was it in the 
50s, right? And so most of us have homes that are newer than the 50s. So I was thinking about how at least, you know, for our children, we always want our children to be in, in a comfortable, nice um, situation. And so with our beloved lordships, too. We want them to be in the best situation that we can. And we look around and we see the temple room is full. And today is just another Sunday. So it's time to grow. It's time to expand. It's time for change. And um, thank you for letting me share. Stay there. Stay there. Can you imagine down in Q Street, right? Right, right at the very start of uh, the adventures of ISKCON of DC, you were at the very beginning, along with uh, many others. So, it, 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 you know, there's one thing moving forward with change, but it's just incredible to look back at the history and to actually have uh, devotees who are still here, part of our community, uh, wise and wonderful elders who can really encourage us. I love this idea of anchoring. Uh, anchoring ourselves here at the temple and letting that be an anchor in our lives.